We're going to do something a little different today besides the feedback. Uh, first, I'd like to welcome those who are joining us on live stream uh, via the internet. I want you to know things will be a little bit different today than normal. You'll see I have a coat on it when I'll do these guys by going down to jeans like normal, but these guys are all suited up, so I thought I'd stay that way. Steve, you need to put your coat back on, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> So here, here's what, we're going to see the, a compilation video. Remember the videos we did in, in May, June, July, the different decades? There's, we've, uh, Andrew Moore has kind of pushed that down into three minutes. So we're going to see that. Then immediately following that, uh, Reverend Irv Jungling is going to come up, and he's going to talk for five to seven minutes. And then after that, Dr. Kyle Reinbrandt will come up, five to seven. Steve Simon, Reverend Steve Simon will come up, five to seven. And uh, then if there's time, um, I'll, I got an introdu- I got two stories and an introduction to make. Uh, we were able, this is, this is a huge thing, but we've in, we invited all four pastors that served in the lead role before, and we got three out of four, 75%. It's not a passing grade. It's a passing grade. It's not an A, but we, we got close. So I'm going to offer a prayer. We'll see the video, and then uh, Pastor Herb will come up, and we'll proceed unannounced from there. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for 50 years. We thank you for the great work you have done for establishing peace for us and reminding us that all that we've accomplished, you've done for us. We ask that the, as the word goes out and the, and the thoughts and the memories um, are proclaimed, Lord, that they will accomplish great things that you send things out and they will accomplish what you intend them to accomplish and they will not return void. We pray these things in Jesus' name through the power of your spirit for the glory of God our Father. Amen. That was very fascinating to see it all take shape and the volunteers that helped. Always had volunteers. And it was just exciting to see as it grew from a few, it got more and more just like Jesus feeding the 5,000. We always know we've got somebody that's looking after us too. That's a good feeling. That's a very good feeling. There's some good people going there. You know, really sincere people. And I want to take this opportunity to congratulate uh, the uh, charter members of this congregation because they made a gutsy move when they decided to form a new congregation. As we look back, starting from a very small group to where we are today, God has really worked in the lives of people in this community. We're not a perfect church. We're growing all the time. We've uh, probably had some bumps in the road. And I feel this is our church family. I mean, families stick together. You know, you may have some struggles along the way, but family are there when you need them. And I really feel that that community is that for me. Uh, You go back over time, uh, the number of people that have been mentored here by senior or associate pastors, that's a a fulfilling aspect of ministry at Community Reformed Church. We've had little ones join recently that are just filled with the spirit seems like already at a younger age. So that's our future. One of our clearest memories of this church is, is when our daughter Lydia was diagnosed with a brain tumor. On a rough Saturday afternoon, a, a couple from this church that we had never previously met dropped off a book and a card. It was the right thing at the right moment. And that's just the people of community. The heart of the people of community is why we love this place. One of my favorite memories is I like the um, Fuel Late Nighter. At VPS, I like playing games. I like going to Spring Hill in 321. One of my favorite uh, experiences here has been uh, my time serving as a uh, high school youth leader. Uh, it was a 
just a great way to get to know more people in the church as well as their kids. We didn't know that the people we'd get to know would become family to us. I learn about what Jesus, what Jesus did and what happened to him when one of the disciples tra- betrayed him. I want to be like not just a VBS helper, but a VBS leader. Uh, I think community right now to me is, it has become a family. If we weren't a part of church, then we, we would have a hard time making it through those, those really lows, yeah, the hard times, and then really celebrating the good stuff. Like we're all a whole family. on. Is it carrying? Oh, there it is. We have reached a significant milestone. We are at our golden jubilee. We are now 50 years old. And it all started, some of you remember, just a very few remember, with a either a bulletin announcement in the church you were attending or an article in the newspaper that said that there would be a meeting at the Roosevelt School just a half a mile east of here, and at that meeting it would be determined whether there was adequate interest in beginning a fourth Reformed church in Zealand. And indeed there was, because representatives from 44 families came that day. And so then there was work to do. And so the very first worship service was on January 8, 1967, and there were 170 people gathered at that Roosevelt School gymnasium. And that would be your worship center for the next two and a half years. And so volunteers would be needed every Saturday to set up chairs, and again volunteers after the evening service to take them down and store them away. Four months after that first worship service on May 7, 1967, you were organized into a congregation of 49 families. There were 99 uh, communicant members and 116 children. That means you were a very young congregation, I suppose, like we have here. There are three things that stand out in my memory and I'll share with you. I became your first pastor in 1968, one year after it was organized. And our first service was a big day. As you can imagine, a pastor and a people meeting together for a first time. But then after that service, we came the half a mile west to this five-acre parcel of ground that had been given us by the First Reformed Church of Zealand. And we made use of a walking plow to tip some soil. And so John Dykema was our vice president at the time, and he guided the plow, and adults pulling on that long rope did their part. And then it was my turn to guide the plow, and young people pulled, and we broke ground in the form of a cross. That was a big day. 
1972, we entered into a denominational program called the Lay Witness Mission. And that played a key role in the life of this uh, congregation. About 30 vibrant Christians from Reformed churches in neighboring states came here for the weekend and uh, led us in workshops and then in coffee, uh, coffee meetings in individual homes where again they shared what God was doing in their lives, what they were experiencing spiritually. And uh, then they invited us to do the same thing in those coffee meetings. Now you come to the conclusion of that weekend and it ends with a, an unplanned service after the visitors have gone home and individuals have an opportunity to come to the platform and share what that uh, meeting, meetings had meant for them, what they had learned or their, their own testimony. Now that kind of a service makes me nervous because I like to have things all planned out and, and know exactly what's going to happen. And so I didn't know if anything would happen. Uh, would it be over in five minutes? So I was greatly relieved to see a stream of people coming uh, to the front and sharing uh, what the weekend had meant for them. That weekend was good for us, for God produced a new unity, a new appreciation for each other. And that was needed because we came from different congregations, different denominations, and perhaps not even a background in spirituality. So God did a good thing for us through that. Then the third thing I want to share with you is in 1973, God performed a miracle for us. He performed a miracle through us. We had outgrown our facilities and the building committee came up with a proposal. And I had suggested that whatever the proposal, it should pass by a two-thirds vote instead of just a majority. And the consistory agreed. Now, prior to this, Gladys and I, my wife and I, had gone to a Bill Gothard Institute in Chicago. And at that meeting, he said that often God's will goes through three stages. There's the birth of a dream, there's the death of a dream, there's the resurrection of a dream with a divine sign. Now, he based those thoughts on the life of Joseph, that teenager with a colored coat, as you remember. And he had a dream of the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down before him. He saw shocks of grain around him bowing down to his shock of grain. And by the time he told that to his brothers, uh, they were just seething on the inside. They didn't appreciate that at all. And so they were, they were of the mind to kill him. But then the Egyptian slave traders came by and they thought they might as well make a little money on him and not kill him. And so that's exactly what they did. And so the dream of individuals bowing down before him, that, that died an untimely death. While in prison, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And as a result of that, he was named Secretary of Agriculture, 
responsible for storing up grain during those seven years of bumper crops so that they would have something to eat during the seven years of famine that were going to follow. And uh, so the Egyptians came and bought their grain. But the drought went all the way to Canaan, and lo and behold, here comes his brothers to buy grain, and they bow down before this Egyptian potentate that they don't even recognize. And uh, as a result, he's seeing the dream fulfilled, the sun, the moon, and the stars all bowing down. Well, like Joseph, we had a dream of a building program, and the proposal failed in getting two-thirds of the vote as I had indicated it should. Some months later, we presented a scaled-down version, and that failed too. And the morning after that vote, that second vote, Gloria Lietzma, who was our church secretary, stopped by and she was assuming that probably the pastor was feeling low. He was. He was scraping bottom. And uh, she told me she had voted down that last proposal. And that just floored me because I always thought a half loaf is better than none. And she explained it this way. I thought that second vote, second proposal was an insult to God. Wow. That set me thinking and seeing this in a whole new way. Some months later, we presented the original plan, what we had presented the first time. And it carried by exactly a two-thirds vote. One vote less in favor, and it would have gone down to defeat. That was the resurrection of a dream with a divine sign. It was obvious God was at work. After all, what do you think the odds of that happening with 160 people voting that that would come to an exactly a two-thirds vote. It was a work of God. Gladys and I are thankful that God gave us the opportunity of working with you and building his kingdom in this little part of his big world. Working with you for 13 years and then in semi-retirement for eight more. It has been an exciting and fulfilling adventure. Wow, <laughs> great to see all of you here, <clears throat> and uh, thanks, uh, Trent, for helping the fellow before me and me get up the steps without falling. I'm going to need it in a few years. <laughs> right, right. Wow, we're excited to be here today, and we're <clears throat> thrilled that God continues to bless you so much with this service. I look at Steve Simon down here. When I was here from 82 to 96, uh, we called him to come, I think, in the year 19, 1890. Was that about right? <laughs> 1890, yeah, right, 1990. And, and uh, I think he was responsible down the line in starting this, this service right here. Look what's happened, Steve. It's a great piece of work. I think Irv and I represent the old service, the old sanctuary, and we have uh, some history there that's very interesting. But the, the thing I enjoy most about 
coming back is that uh, when I left in 2004, no, 96, 96, um, my dad, who was a pastor, said, when you leave a church, you leave a church for the sake of your successor, for the sake <clears throat> of the congregation, and for the, your sake, so that they can start all over and have a new thing. Well, the beautiful thing about <clears throat> coming here is that that I thought it was great to follow you. You have done a, a, did a great job, Irv, and then I was here the next 13 years, <clears throat> and now 21 years later, I've had the privilege <clears throat> of reading the bulletin for the last 35 years from this church. The 13 and a half years I was here, of course, I read it and was part of it, and then I've always asked the secretaries of my former churches to send me the bulletin. So I get bulletins from three of churches that I serve. So for the last 35 years, every week I've seen what has happened in previous churches, but none of the churches has done what you've done in terms of size, in terms of building. It's amazing. You've gone to 2,000 members in 50 years. And what you said, Irv, is also very, very true. <clears throat> I was on the denominational executive committee when we decided to start 1,000 new churches for a 10-year period, and you know that only 70% of the churches we started, 70% uh, of the churches we started failed after about three years. Most churches are, it's very difficult to get going and start and do what you've done here, so we just praise God for that, and I'm so thankful <coughs> for the text that uh, Trent picked. It's really all about God, and the miracle you talked about, it's all about God. I just want to remember a couple of things. First of all, the people, the saints who were here and no longer here, the charter members who are here now and those who are not here, we're grateful for them. And uh, I also remember uh, three people when I was here that were very helpful. First was the secretary, Shirley Aronson. And when, when I came here in 1982, she was making $2.20 an hour. Can you believe that? <laughs> She had no computer, no copy machine. In fact, when we wanted copies made, she went to her husband's business to make the copies. She made all the, the, the uh, bulletins by you know, one of these old-fashioned things. What do you call them? Mimeographs, right. And when she typed on her electric typewriter, I think it was one of the first electric typewriters ever made, uh, she would, if made a mistake, she'd have to white it out with some white stuff. And now you guys have it made. You've got these... You know, <laughs> Wish I could write sermons now like I did. <laughs> so uh, that was a, she was an amazing person. And then I remember Paul Borsma. When I was here, we uh, built this gym, and uh, he had a tremendous uh, influence on the youth here. At one time, we had 150 in the high school youth group. And after 11 and a half years, he left here and he went to Hope College. He's been a chaplain there ever since. I have two grandkids, one who graduated last year, one who's a senior now, who have been greatly blessed by his ministry. His ministry uh, keeps going as well. So I remember those, but there are many, many other people. Joyce Quartering was in charge of the kitchen for many years. And <clears throat> I walk every Friday, Monday through Saturday in Myers early in the morning. And at Wednesday morning, she was usually there with a cart full of groceries for the supper that you guys have here on Wednesday night. So remember people like that, the volunteers who did so well, and all the people who 
given such tremendous stewardship to pay all these bills. It's amazing. So this is, really is a miracle. So it's a privilege to be here to be part of that. But why? Well, it's all about God. God using us. God doing things in spite of us. But it's really all about God. And our vision at that time was calling people to commitment, growth, and service. Commitment to Christ, growth in Christ, and service for Christ. And uh, that's how the Holy Spirit worked the church then, and he's doing it now as well. And it's God who gives us the faith to start us, to save us. It's God who gives us the hope to sustain us and see us through all the difficulties of life. And it is God who gives us the love to make it all worthwhile. What's it all about? It's all about grace. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm Steve Simon, and it was my privilege to serve here as one of your pastors for a little more than 14 years altogether. Served in a variety of capacities, adult ministries, outreach and evangelism, congregational care, and for a year and nine months, I was the interim senior pastor here after Cal left and before Pastor Dan Stoughton arrived here. Shortly after I started my ministry with you, somebody made an observation to me and they said that community is a church that grows by baby steps and at the time i think they were intending it as a bit of a criticism but over the years i've come to see it as a real positive for one thing it says that community was a church that didn't zigzag with all of the changes of ministry fads but for another one even with baby steps you can go a long ways if you take enough of them. And certainly in 50 years, you have come a long, long ways. And that's exciting. But friends, sometimes in life, God calls us to take big person steps. And one of those big person steps was the decision to start breakaway. And I'd like to tell you just a little bit about how this came, to, came about. Cal gave me far more credit for it than, than I deserve. But it really began in September of 1997 when Pastor Dan arrived here, and he immediately began to talk about his vision for this, this radical new service. Uh, it wouldn't replace the traditional worship service that we had. It would be an additional one, and it would be contemporary, high energy, uh, casual, informal, a place for people who weren't used to church. Uh, could feel comfortable. And I remember one time Dan was talking to the congregation about his vision and uh, talking primarily to the older folks. And he said, I, I want you to know, this new service is not for you. It's for your kids and your grandkids. And then Dan added, but you've got to pay for it. <laughs> and you know what? They did. Some of you did. 
And because of that, Breakaway got, was able to get established. We spent a number of months planning for and promoting and, and uh, preparing for the, the launch of this service. And it took, took off right from the very beginning uh, and has continued to grow and, and boom to this day. And perhaps many of you actually met Jesus through the ministry of Breakaway. Or you've grown in your faith because of that. Uh, and that's exciting. This uh, worship center is certainly the result of additional big person steps. Uh, Pastor Dan and I and many others began talking about and dreaming about and then eventually planning for this worship space even as we were getting breakaway uh, underway. You've taken a lot of baby steps and some big person steps over the years. And you should feel good about that. You know, give yourself a little pat on the back. You know, that's good. You've been faithfully following God, building the kingdom, bringing men and women and boys and girls to know Jesus, and that's good. And you should feel good about that. But I want you also to remember that you haven't done it by yourselves. There's an image in Psalm 63 that has come to mean a lot to me. The psalmist says to, says to God, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. And what I picture in my mind with that image is a small child wrapping their arms around mom and dad's neck, holding on to everything they've got. And if you ask the little child, you holding on to mom and dad? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm holding on. But in reality, the parent's hand is underneath holding the child up and making it possible for that child to hang on. And, and in the same way, friends, you know, as you've taken all of these, these steps for God, that's like holding on to God's neck. And that's good and that's important. But the whole time, God's loving hand has been underneath you, holding you up. And so as you go into the, the next 50 years, I, I just want to challenge you to keep on taking steps. Take a lot of baby steps and occasionally take some of those big person steps. But keep on, keep on following God. But as you do that, always remember and never forget that God's all-powerful, loving hand is holding you up. Amen. Let it be, Lord. All right. I got it on this time. Um, thank you, gentlemen. I know that you, to come in here a second time when many of your friends and loved ones and people that you've known for, for decades are in the room next door eating cake. So, but the cool thing is when you go back in there, you can have another piece of cake. No one will, no one will notice. So, um, we'll have you out of here in just a few minutes. Thank you for sticking to, for, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect anything different, but you know, we kind of gave you the idea of what the theme was that it's all that, you know, you have established peace for us. All that we have done, you have done for us and or through us. And it's just so wonderful to hear pastors that have served here that are reminding the people that are here that it's you, yes, but it's God more. Let me read that passage from Isaiah chapter 26. Uh, Lynn wrote that, uh, sorry, her initials were Lynn Walker, um, wrote that song just for this occasion. But Lord, you established peace for us. All that we have accomplished, 
you have done for us. Now, I think that that's a theme that you've seen and heard uh, from this pulpit and from the music and from all that we do. I mean, our, just our, even our, our, our vision statement is, is to look up to see what God is doing, lean in to whatever Christ has for us and live out our faith wherever the Spirit leads us. It's not that different than what the, the vision has been because it's biblical, it's scriptural. Now, I have three or two stories and one introduction to make. And the, the stories are simple. One, one's a little longer than the other, um, but it's a reminder to me that, that all that I get to, all the people that I get to serve now, all the ministry that's happened before, it's, it's, it's nothing I've done. It's what others have done and what God has done through them. So just a reminder to all of you, for those that took the risk 50 years ago, this is from a book, uh, I Almost Missed the Sunset by Bill Gaither. Um, Bill, he, I'm going to use kind of first, uh, first person here, but he said, Gloria and I had been married for a couple of years, and we were teaching school in Alexandria, Indiana, where I'd grown up. And, and we wanted a piece of land that we could build a house. So I noticed a parcel south of town where cattle grazed, and I learned that it belonged to a 92-year-old retired banker by the name of Mr. Ewell. He owned a lot of land in the area, and he gave the same speech to everyone who inquired about the property. I promised the farmers they could use it for their cattle. So Gloria and I, we visited the, him at the bank, and although he was retired, he spent a couple of hours there every day at his office. And, and he looked up over the, over the top of his bifocals, and I introduced myself and told him that we were interested in, that, in, a, in a particular piece of land. And he said, very pleasantly, not selling, promised it to a farmer for grazing. And Bill said, I, I, I know, I know, I know, um, but we teach school here, and we thought maybe you'd be interested in selling it to someone planning to settle in the area. He pursed his lips and stared at me. What'd you say your name was? Gaither, Bill Gaither. Hmm. Any relation to Grover Gaither? Yes, sir, that's my, that's my granddad. Mr. Yule put down his paper, and he removed his glasses. Interesting. Grover Gaither was the best worker I ever had on my farm. Full day's work for a day's pay. So honest. What'd you say you wanted? And I told him again. Let me do some thinking about it. Come back and see me. And I came back in about a week. And Mr. Yule told me that he had had the property appraised. So I held my breath. How does $3,800 sound? That be okay? $3,800 an acre. That's about 60 grand. Thirty-eight. Yep, 15 acres for 3,800 bucks. <laughs> I knew that it had to be worth three times that much, so I readily accepted. Now, here's the, here's the part. Nearly three decades later, my son and I strolled this beautiful, lush property that had once been pasture land. And his son's name is Benji. And he said, Benji, you've had this wonderful place to grow up through nothing that you've done, but because the good name of your great-granddad, who you've never met. Proverbs 21.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Folks, people have gone before you. They've labored before you. And they've established a good name for this church, in this community, for God in the world, and the gospel has been proclaimed. So, gentlemen, thank you for the time, energy, effort, sacrifice, and investment you've made in God's kingdom here in Zealand, Michigan, and specifically in this church. And for the rest of us, we have to recognize that whatever steps God leads us to next, he leads us to, he leads us to 
We follow along, and it's his name that is going to be the good name. The scripture tells us, Paul tells us, he's pretty clear on it, that the purpose of the church is to declare the manifold, that's the, mani- or that's the multifaceted, the manifold wisdom of God to the authorities and the rulers of the air. We will continue to proclaim God's goodness, to proclaim God's grace, and to proclaim what he wants to see done. And we will build on the shoulders of giants. One more. Hot Springs, Arkansas. I've done some research on this. This illustration is old. This place no no longer exists. So even what it became is gone. But in Hot Springs, Springs, Arkansas, you'll find a Maurice Morris Antique Mall. Nothing inside it distinguishes the antique store from dozens like it in town. There's a musty smell and some old dusty relics from the past. But if you look closely on the outside of the Morris Antique Mall, you'll see something that makes it distinct. Before it was an antique store, it was a church. And it died. Most churches don't make it to 50 years old. Very few make it to 100. And the fact that we're still growing, not just numerically, but in God's blessing says that there is a spirit here that, said, that tells us, and it's God's Holy Spirit that says, it's not all about you. It's about those that don't yet know me. It's a, how do we bless others, not just wait to be blessed. If we keep looking ahead, then God will show us where to go and he will continue to bless that which he's moving forward. Things die when they look only inward and they only look to self. The whole of scripture says that God's people are there to show the world who God is. So to go along with that and to tell you about the next big size step that we're making, I want to invite Nate Highbor to come up. The, you guys, we've talked about this off and on during this year about the possibility of a church plant. We were and are a church plant from 50 years ago. And the executive team just two weeks ago decided, Nate has been assessed by the denomination to be a church planter. The regional synod has assessed him and is training him. Pastor Doug and I in particular have been, in, Doug in, more so than me, but have been investing in Nate's training over the last 12 to 18 months. He was our junior high director, and then our student ministries director, and then our apprentice pastor. And just two weeks ago, he was offered, and early last week, he, uh, he accepted the new position as church planter and campus pastor for Community Reformed Church. So within the next year, we hope to, by next fall, start a new site with a new voice and a new leader of Community Reformed Church somewhere else in the region. So we are hopefully going to follow God's lead, and he's going to show us people that don't yet know him. And Nate and a team that he builds will reach them for Christ, lead them to Christ, uh, grow them in Christ, and then send them to do it again and again and again and again. So for our 50 years, we're going forward from here to do more of the same. So... I did, this, I did this in the first service. Most of you that grew up in the church will know this song. I don't like singing, but this deserves a praise to God. So, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost.
comes, the big amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer and pray for God's anointing on Nate in particular. Almighty God, we bless you and thank you for 50 years. We bless you and thank you for all that you've done through us. Lord, people have taken courageous steps in following your lead in the past. And we ask that Nate take the next courageous step faithfully. And Lord, we know that when you call, you equip. And so we ask that you anoint him with the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you equip him with discernment and wisdom beyond his years. And that those of us in this church that decide to go with him, to lead others to Christ, to make sure that the word is proclaimed and it doesn't return void and that you are praised and worshiped in all the nations. Lord, we ask that you grant those who will go blessing, anointing, wisdom, and equipping. Lord, join us as we head next door to eat cake, to tell stories, to see old pictures, to reminisce, but to, in thanking you for all that you've done, which is an indicator of how you're going to do things in the future. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, for the glory of God our Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. I will leave it at that. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you. That's a look on God's face. And God smile at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ.